Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. As we're going to continue today uh, in our teaching series, uh, we're going to end up in Revelation, but I, I want us to, to start uh, with a story from the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter 21. So I know you already had Revelation open, but flip back to Matthew 21 with me for just a moment. Uh, and I say this is a unique story because this is one of the, the few recorded instances where we see Jesus using his divine power and authority in what can be seen as a destructive miracle or destructive manner. Uh, as we turn to Matthew 21, uh, I want to unpack a little context because what's happening around this story brings it to life. It, it puts color to the story we're diving into. And so uh, contextually, chronologically, Jesus has entered Jerusalem for the last time. Uh, we celebrate that event yearly on the church calendar as Palm Sunday. Uh, as he has entered, Jesus uh, received exuberant but yet pretty shallow fanfare from the people. Uh, and after his uh, ascent to Jerusalem, as he gets there, he makes his way to the temple. Now, the temple was intended to be the center of religious life for the Jewish people. Uh, it was to be a place of prayer, a study of God's word, a place of community. It was where life with God was to take place. That was the temple. All of its ornate architecture, all the details we read about in the Old Testament were pointing to God's majesty, to his care for creation. It was to be an act of worship in the temple. And so uh, Jesus is approaching, but rather than finding life with God, rather than finding worship, Jesus found shady business deals, empty religion, and hard hearts. In what was a prophetic act of judgment uh, on Jesus' part, he overturns the, the tables of the money changers. He commits a, a visible act, a sign of judgment for their uh, uh, a departure from worship in the temple. And as you can imagine, the religious authorities, the people that were profiting from this venture, were none too pleased with his actions. And that scene really sets up what I want us to focus on today. So after that scene, after Jesus clears the temple, him and his followers, the disciples, they go out to a little town called Bethany. They're going to stay in a, a more cost-effective Airbnb outside of town in Bethany. And they come again the next morning, so the day after, and that's where we're going to pick up our text in verse 18. It says, early in the morning as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it but found nothing on it except leaves. And then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the tree withered. Now, it's easy to read this and maybe think that Jesus got hangry in this moment, right? But there's a little bit more 
to what's happening in this text. Jesus and his disciples, they're heading back into town when he sees this fig tree uh, in full leaf in the distance. Now, uh, to understand this, fig trees, the way that they grow, the way they're supposed to produce fruit is that the fruit actually comes on before the leaves. And so Jesus seeing a fig tree full leaf, it should have had fruit to satisfy his hunger. But as Jesus gets near, he finds no fruit. And this human inconvenience is transformed in that moment into a divine object lesson. You see, this fig tree was beautifully adorned in leaves, having all the appearance of life, but it failed to produce what mattered most. It failed to produce what mattered most. And that is exactly what Jesus saw in the temple at Jerusalem. A place with all the outward appearances of religious life and fervor, but void of true life, void of the fruit of relationship with God. The outside was beautiful, but the inside was dead. What do you think mattered most to Jesus? What do you think mattered most? The beautiful outside or what was on the inside? What would you say matters the most to him today? Today we're going to continue in part six of our teaching series called The Seven Churches of Revelation. Uh, throughout this study, uh, we're six weeks in at this point, throughout this study, uh, we've been seeking to understand uh, what Jesus was speaking to the churches in Asia Minor. The Apostle John, he's been told to, to write down, to record everything that he's seen and that he's heard, and to deliver this message to the churches. And so throughout our study, we're seeking to understand what the original audience heard, what did they hear in the first century And while we want to understand that context, we also have an opportunity in this study to listen in for our lives, to listen in to the words of Jesus, because these messages uh, contain words of encouragement, words to persevere, but they also contain warnings, and they contain rebuke for ways that the churches had gone wrong. And we have said from the beginning, and we believe uh, that Revelation is a Jesus letter, From the very opening to its very closing, it is a Jesus letter. And in that, friends, there is great hope for those in Christ Jesus. So, Because we see that that each church, no matter what words contained, whether they were encouragement or warning, each received an invitation to life. Each church received an invitation to repentance and restoration, a call to experience hope in Jesus for all of eternity. So today our teaching text is found in Revelation 3, beginning at verse 1. And we're going to dive into Jesus' words to the church in Sardis. And I would invite those that are able to stand for the reading of God's word today. Revelation 3 says, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, and hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. 
Verse 4 says, You, yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious, like them, will be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thank you. You may be seated this morning. Can you imagine uh, a more alarming or dreadful declaration from the Lord than what we just read? Uh, Think about that. The, The words spoken to this church, you are dead. I mean, you can almost imagine them going, no, I'm not. Right? I'm not dead. But Jesus says, you are dead. Can we imagine a more difficult, a more challenging word to receive from the Lord? Some of the other churches that we've studied, man, they, they received some pretty harsh words, but none of them were declared dead. Last week, uh, Beth and I, Beth Elliott at Next Steps, uh, we, were, we were talking and, and trying to understand a little bit this message to the church in Sardis, and, and she said this, she made this observation. To be called dead by the one who brings life is a very serious indictment. To be called dead by the one who brings life is a very serious indictment. So for the church, the people who are to be called and known and bear the name Christian, the name Jesus, to be declared dead by the giver of life, that is a serious, serious problem. Jesus said of himself and of his ministry in John 10, 10, he said, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. So a church that is declared dead, what has happened? Where was the departure from the life at which they were birthed? Perhaps we might ask, what was the cause of death for this church? What should we hear today? What should we learn as we listen in? Thankfully for you and for me, Jesus, the giver of life, is here today in the ministry of his spirit, speaking through his word and searching our hearts and inviting us to partake in life that only he can give. So today I I want to invite you to join me, to join me today in listening to the move and the leading of the Holy Spirit, the speaker and giver of life as we journey through his word. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, We thank you for your word, Hebrews 4. I've just been there all week, and it says that your word is alive, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and that it pierces, Lord. So search us today, Lord. We want to approach you humbly, uh, Lord, earnestly. We want to hear your word, Lord, even if it's hard, even if it's hard. Because, Lord, what we see in this text is that even though you said that you are dead to this people group, you invite them to wake up to experience life. That's what we want, Lord, is to experience your life. Search our hearts today. Tune our ears to your voice. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.
As we would uh, begin to work our way through this text, uh, Jesus in the opening verses is presented as the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And this, again, is taking us back to the imagery that we read in chapter 1 of Jesus uh, shown in his resurrected glory. He's shown and known as one who is present and active within the churches. And, And he's seen as one who has authority and has power. And we get to his message quite clearly in early in verse 1. He says, I know your deeds. I know you. I know you. I know your deeds. You have a reputation. Uh, Some translations say there, you have a name of being alive, but you are dead. That you're dead. Uh, The city of Sardis uh, was a city of reputation, It was a city that had a good name. Uh, It was a wealthy town, uh, rich in gold deposits and other resources. Uh, Geographically, where it was located, it was atop of a a high cliff, and so it was naturally protected uh, by the landscape at which it resided on. And, And this church was also known by a good name by an active uh, life. And the church at Sardis uh, had this reputation, but yet Jesus sees it entirely differently. He sees it entirely differently. You see, the town uh, was known for its wealth and its comfort and its security, and that really led to an indulgent and decadent society that had impacted the church. Because though the church had a good name, had a good reputation, Jesus says, I've heard all that, but I know differently. You are dead. You're dead. And as we would seek to understand uh, this cause of death, as it were, for this church, uh, it becomes tricky to nail down uh, specifics. And so, spoiler alert, the scholarship on this is a little divided. And so there's not one concrete cause of death. So we're going to unpack a couple of the things that we see here this morning. Uh, In the Scripture, there's no doctrinal error highlighted. There's no specific heresy that's mentioned when that was true for many of the other churches that we've studied. There's not even the mention of persecution, so we don't have any sign that the church was having a hard time uh, existing in the culture there at Sardis. Later, uh, Jesus is going to refer in his letter to Sardis that there were a few who have remained pure, the idea of white garments. So we can assume that since there's only a few, that sin and, and that lifestyle has made its way into the church in a prominent fashion. And, and so we begin to ask and wonder, perhaps, perhaps was it the comfort of wealth? Was it the comfort of wealth and the relative ease of living that lulled the church away from its passion for Jesus? That lulled the church to sleep away from its passion to reach others with the good news? In the Jewish temple uh, that archaeologists have uncovered, uh, they they believe that this is the altar that was in the Jewish temple. And what you see on the side is the Roman eagle the Roman government symbol on the religious altar in the temple. And so we begin to wonder, was the culture there were were worshipers so accustomed to the blending, the mixing of government and commerce and economy and religion? Maybe their relationship uh, with the government and, and commerce took first priority. Maybe they didn't want to lose their nonprofit status or their special use permit, so they never really pushed the issue with the local authorities. 
Friends, whatever happened in the first century, it faces us with a truth today. That whatever outward appearances are, they are meaningless without true life in Christ. All the good name, the good thing that was happening at Sardis that was known around was meaningless because they were without life in Christ. So you begin to think about that and process that, that all the things that a church can be known for, a warm welcome, a big parking lot, a great band, a, a good teaching or preaching, works in the community, all of those things, no matter how good they are, how great that reputation is, is no substitute for earnest seeking of relationship with Jesus. Outward appearances are meaningless without true life. In Christ, and as true as that is for us as a church, it is true for us as individual believers, as followers of Jesus. Because in our lives, uh, we can be the kindest people, we can bear the biggest smile, we can give away 25% of our money to the church, we can attend service every time the doors are open, we can know all the songs and yet still not experience life in All of those good things don't equate to life. And friends, that reality should cause us to stand alert this morning. To lean in. To listen to what the Spirit is speaking to us. Because so many times we look to religious things, right? Well, I'm a Christian because I go to church or I give to the poor or I, you know, name it. But what matters to Jesus is that intimacy and life connection with him. Then things flow from that. You see, the difference, the difference in empty religious practice and intimacy, active relationship with Jesus is life and death. It's life and death. Don't miss his word today to the church. Wake up. Wake up, he says. Strengthen what remains in you and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Wake up. Wake up. Be alert. Get with it. Jesus' call is to those who have been lulled asleep by comfort and complacency, and he's calling them away. He's calling them awake. Wake up. Don't settle for empty religion. Pursue intimacy with Christ. Wake up. And we see here in the church in Sardis that it was not that they had never started the work, right? Because he says, I have found your deeds unfinished. It's not that they never started. It's not that they didn't start. It's not that they were never alive. It's that they've stopped pursuing Christ and settled for religious busyness instead. Going through the motion. The word for unfinished here, uh, it means incomplete or, or started, but not finished. And so we have to wrestle with this idea for those that would think that salvation is automatic or that for those that would start a relationship with Jesus, this warning stares us head on. We must pursue intimacy with Jesus. We must pursue. We must follow after him. 
And Jesus, for as hard as this word is, he's calling them from their life of sleep. He's calling them from that religious emptiness and calling them to intimacy with him. Wake up. Wake up. He's calling them to remember the life that they started at the beginning. He says in verse 3, remember what you've received and heard. Remember how it felt to be lost. Remember how it felt to be called to life. Remember how it felt to be forgiven. Remember what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Jesus is calling the church to remember to remember the the life they experienced when they first encountered Christ, when they first came to know, when they were called from death and sin to life in Christ. Remember that and let that fuel your passionate desire for Jesus and your passionate love for your neighbor. Remember, remember, remember at which you started. Remember, this was a call to wake up. A call to the church that maybe refused to let go of the good old days and to face the current challenges of life. Wake up. To the church that allowed sin to go unchecked and unaddressed and to take on a prominent place. Wake up and repent. To the church who was happy with uh, people as they were and has lost their urgency to share the good news of Jesus. Wake up. Wake up. Remember the passion you had. And this is a call for us, friends, to wake up, to be urgent, not to settle for religiosity, but to pursue Christ himself. The difference is life and death. The difference is life and death. Don't ever allow comfort or ease uh, to make you complacent in your relationship with the Lord. Don't let it lull you to sleep. Jesus warns in in true Revelation fashion, right? He warns that if they fail to take this word seriously, if they don't pursue relationship and life in him, he's going to come. He's going to come in an act of judgment. He will come like a thief unknown to them. And judgment will appear. And Jesus, he's he's really cutting right at the core of their identity as as people being from Sardis. Because uh, as we mentioned, Sardis was a fortified city that stood atop of steep cliffs. And so to attack the city, if you will, you had to deal with the sheer face of the cliffs that were there. And so that feeling of security, uh, it really, they were hard to attack. But that feeling, that confidence in those walls became complacency in their watchfulness. And two times in their history, two separate times, their complacency and comfort allowed the enemy to infiltrate and attack and destroy the city. And Jesus cuts right to it and says, if you don't wake up, if you don't snap out of your comfort and your complacency, I will come in an act of judgment. Wake up. Wake up. Repent. Turn back to life. He continues in verse 4. He says, You have a, a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. 
The one who is victorious like them will be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but I will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You look at how much space Jesus spends talking about this idea of white garments, and and this idea in the ancient culture, white garments were a symbol of purity. They were a symbol of righteousness and victory even. And so as we consider that, we begin to understand the desperate state of the church in Sardis, because Jesus said there's only a few who have not forfeited their purity, who have not soiled their garments. And most of the other churches we've studied so far, it was only a few embracing idolatry or a pagan practice, right? And so we begin to understand just the severity of what's going on in the church when he says there's only a few that remain faithful. There's only a few. But we've said all along, Revelation is a Jesus letter. And because it is a Jesus letter, because he is the one calling, there is hope for those who will seek him. To this nearly fatal church in Sardis, Jesus invites them back to life. He says to those who are victorious, I will speak your name before the Father and his angels. Can you imagine? That's Jesus in eternity saying, this one's with me. I don't know about you. I want in on that. Imagine Jesus speaking your name, Joe. This one's with me. Imagine, Thomas, imagine Jesus speaking your name. This one's with me. That's what's on the line here. To those who will repent and seek life, I will speak your name before the Father and his angels. Glory to God. Don't miss it. Wake up. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Wake up, repent, return to life in Him. Uh, as the band makes their way forward, I hope you crockpots on low today. I'm sorry. To be called dead by the one who brings life is a serious problem. To be called dead by Jesus, the one who came in his life, his death, his resurrection, to bring life for him to declare you dead is a serious indictment. The matter, the difference between empty religion, going through the motions, and pursuing intimacy with Jesus is literally life and death. Today, friends, this is a call to seek life. To seek the person of Jesus. To seek him. Um, I, I want to invite you today, as we move to conclude, to put on your thinking hat with me, to put on your imaginative brain. Some of you, that's real easy. Some of you are still not sure what I'm asking you to do. I want you to imagine with me this morning uh, that Jesus uh, came and visited our campus in the flesh. Now, we believe Jesus is here in the spirit. We're good. But let's just imagine for a minute, Jesus is coming here to visit this morning in the flesh. Uh, He's coming from Elkton. uh, So as he comes down 340, uh, he's going to see the building uh, and all the parking lot and the grounds. And he's going to see the two banners up here uh, at the entrance, right? Going to see them gently waving in the breeze. Man, what nice colors, blue and black and white. 
nice, catchy. Well, then there's, there's people holding signs and, man, there's hope happens here. Yeah. There is life here. Yeah. Look, love that sign. Man, look at the people smiling. They seem so nice. Well, you know, Jesus is going to, he's going to pull on the lot and, and he's going to try to find that perfect spot for that pearl white crew cab F-150, right? Because, hey, it's Jesus. He can keep a Ford running if he needs to. So he's going to find the perfect spot and back in that beautiful pickup truck. He steps out of the truck. I'm guessing like a button-up shirt and khakis and probably hey dudes because they're divinely comfortable. But he got a Bible in hand. Jesus is ready for church. He would approach the door here and welcome by more smiling faces in our greeting team and kind welcome and embraces. He would come through the door and see that giant welcome banner. Good night. It's the same font and the same colors as the banners. Details. He comes on in. More nice folks at next step. A welcoming place indeed. The sign's true. He gets a a loft of the Blue Elk coffee and says, "Ah, I think I'd love a cup of that. So he pours himself a cup. He sees and hears children laughing and smiling and running down the hall to embrace their uh, leaders for that morning. Man, that's so cool. He makes his way to find a seat, and as he sits down, hey, these aren't bad for plastic chairs. Nice work. Nice work. The service begins. Man, that band is on point matching slides and such great talent and musical ability and and the sound, all the tech was on spot on. And man, these are the songs that were on the radio. As he sits through the message, maybe that that YouTube video was funny and man, the slides, like that's that's a matching graphic right there. Nicely done. He gently notices someone snoring in the service, but he doesn't say anything. It's probably they've had a rough week. They must be tired. So the service ends, and, and Jesus is making his way to the back, and a hospitality member uh, catches him with a gift bag in hand. How was your morning? How was worship? Thanks for visiting with us. How, how are you doing? How, how was it? Well, Jesus will begin. I, I heard about this, this new church in Elkton, and so I, I wanted to come see for myself. I heard about all the good things and all the stuff happening. And sure enough, man, there's a great building. There's lots of great people. And I see lots of programs going so well. And you can almost imagine this volunteer. They're getting excited, right? Yeah. But Jesus continues. He says, there's so many good things here. There's so many amazing things even about this church. But you're dead. That once excited volunteer just now is in stunned silence. Because they begin to notice that this is Jesus. They notice a quiver in his voice and and a tear coming to his eye. And, And Jesus says, all the smiles and the handshakes, the good coffee, the worship are no substitute for the life that I came to give. I don't know about you. That's imaginative thinking. I don't 
know about you, but just imagining that thought and that scenario causes me to come to a full stop. Because that's the message to Sardis. We need to lean in, friends. Because the difference between going through the motions doing the church thing smiling doing those things the difference between empty religion and relationship with Jesus is life and death are you living today are you living friends I I know this is a tough word this is a tough word but we need to just just listen to the Spirit's call this morning. The one who gave life is calling you today. Are you living? Are you living? As we think of the cross, like that's so that we might experience life. How brokenhearted is Jesus when we trade the empty, shallow religion instead of life in him? How much does that break his heart? Are you living today? Are you living? One of the most uh, haunting passages in the New Testament for me um, is not actually found in Revelation. <laughs> It's actually found in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' words there in Matthew chapter 7. I think about them so often. Jesus says there, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not have good programs in your name? Did we not do nice works in the community in your name? Didn't VBS go great? Didn't we help people? Didn't we give these things in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform miracles. And Jesus says, then I will look at them plainly. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. <laughs> Don't settle for empty religious practices. I'm for liturgy. I'm for the church. I'm for all those things. But don't forfeit life with him. forfeit life with him. As I've studied Sardis this week, I've had this question. Do you think they knew they were dead? Do you think they're like looking at their hand going, I'm not dead? What's he talking about? That's crazy. John, man, he's, he's over on Patmos. He's, he's lost it. Do you think they knew the problem? I don't know. I don't know. That led to this question. Would you want to know? If Jesus is, is calling and moving you right now, 
and he had a hard word for you, friend, would you want to hear it? Knowing that he is the author and perfecter and giver of life, would you want to know? Would you want to know that death has crept in? I do. I want to know. And friend, that might be uncomfortable. That might mean we're called out of a comfort zone. We're called to take a step of obedience and faith. But do you want to know? Do you want life in Christ? Or are you going to settle for religion? We have a choice today. Choose life, friends. It's why he came. Let's pray together. Lord, um, we thank you today for your word that is alive. We thank you for you that's alive. Hallelujah. Lord, we, we hear the call. You, you spoke to a, a church that was known for all the good stuff. You spoke to a people known for all the right things. You spoke to them that they were dead. They were somehow missing you. They forfeited life for religion. Oh God, we don't want that to be true of us. We know that it is only through you, your life, death, and resurrection, we can experience life. Lord, it's why you came. We want life in you, Lord. So will you search our hearts today? May we be quick to arise from our slumber to repent where death has taken hold. Where we've maybe relied or forfeited or comforted ourselves with religion. May we come to you today, God, and we want to respond. Don't miss it today, friends. Don't miss it. I'm going to just stand in the back. If you'd like somebody to pray with you this morning, I'll be there. You don't, you don't have to say a word. We can just pray together. Seek life, friends. Seek life. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.